Hi, everyone. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to take a moment to address the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Abortion is a basic healthcare need for the millions of people who become pregnant. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical abortions shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortions.com. That's the number four. If you or someone you know needs help, or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to stand against abortion restrictions. Three, Abortion.cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, PlanCPills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, Choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. I encourage you to speak up. Take care and spread the word. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Reality Is. As always, it's Noor. Um, hey, Eid Mubarak to everybody who's listening who celebrates. Um, I am celebrating today. It's actually Eid morning when I'm recording, um, and I smell like fried foods. Okay, I blow dried my hair this morning, and it already smells like fried foods. Um, if you have any tips on how I can get rid of that smell, do let me know. But hey, if you're celebrating, I hope you um, have a good one and you enjoy your time with your family and. Uh, all that good stuff. And if you uh, have a Muslim friend, just go knock on their house. Knock on their house. <laughs> go and pay them a house visit and you will definitely be greeted with some delicious foods. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, today we are talking about uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Real Housewives of Dubai, and I will touch briefly on Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Episode 4. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on that episode, certainly go over to um, Dumpster Dive. I was just on with Tom Hamlet last um, this week, so the episode for them just dropped on Friday the 8th. So check that out. <laughs> we talked a lot about Dorinda. Um, you know what? Let me just let me briefly touch on it right now and then we'll talk about Beverly Hills. So Ultimate Girls Trip, obviously, the big question this episode, episode four, was there are two big questions. <laughs> one was, is Jill thirsty? And the other one was, holy shit, how old is everyone? <laughs> so let's talk about question one. Is Jill thirsty? I mean, yes, of course. Like everyone else on the show, okay? You wouldn't be thirsty if you didn't come on the show. Dorinda is thirsty. Brandy is so thirsty, okay? She just came up with an absurd new song, okay? It's called Life of a Housewife, and I apologize to you in advance for getting it stuck in your head. It's very bad, okay? It's embarrassing, embarrassing, and I am convinced that she doesn't have friends, 
Okay, she doesn't have friends because nobody's telling this broad to brush her extensions. No one's telling her to fix her damn nails. No one's telling her to see a better skincare person. And no one is telling her not to make this bananas cuckoo banunu song. Okay, Brandy's thirsty. Um, I thought Taylor was normal, but she's definitely thirsty because she's bringing up drama from Adrian Maloof from 12 years ago. Phaedra is so thirsty that she is <laughs> traveled to Dubai to be on another TV show. Okay, we know Tamara and Vicky are the thirstiest. Okay, Vicky, for God's sake, went along with a cancer scam storyline and brought up the charade that she and Steve broke up like two days before she left for the Berkshires. Okay, we know that that's a lie. But all these people are thirsty. Okay, the only person I'm going to say is probably not thirsty is Eva. I think Eva's just there for the fun of it. Okay, she's just, she's having a great time. Um, but is Jill thirsty? Of course. Okay, of course. But she's thirsty in a way that like in this group, she feels to me like Gretchen Wieners. You know, like, like she's, she she wants to like I, not externally i think internally okay jill is gretchen wieners like she knows that she's you know she's like deeply insecure she's just like she wants to be the queen bee but she can't okay she cannot be caesar okay <laughs> but like she tries and i think the thing is that she thinks that being in this group is good but then i think she walks she gets into the group and realizes like okay this is definitely not for me like, this is not the place that I need to be, which is why I think she says, like, oh, I want to be a friend of, right? Um, but in Dorinda's world, there's no such thing as being a friend of. We saw how she reacted to Tinsley leaving. We saw how angry she was when Bethany quit the show, like, a day before filming Roni. And we see how she feels about being put on pause, okay? Did Dorinda – does she know that the show that she's on pause from is also on pause? <laughs> there's no such thing as – sure, sure. Jesus. There's no such thing as Real Housewives of New York anymore, Dorinda. I don't know if anybody told you, but you're not getting put back on. Um, anyway, she's just, she's a mess. Okay. Dorinda's a mess. Um, we know that she's a mess at the end. I mean, Dorinda, what the hell is wrong with you? Okay. What the hell is wrong with you? Like she does this thing where she even says to Jill, I'm on a show that you're no longer a part of. And she says, I'm on a show. She doesn't say, I was part of a show. I'm on a show. Like, she really still thinks that she's very much a part of the Roni family. And, I mean, I guess she is, right? You're always, I mean, even freaking, what's her name? Um, Jesus. Uh, Cindy Barshop. <laughs> Barbara. Barbara for mayor of New York. Barbara the Builder. She's still part of the Roni family. I mean, you don't ever kind of just like drop off. Like you're always technically part of the Roni family if you're even on one season. You know, like I don't think that – I mean, Mario and is no longer married to Ramona, but he's certainly still a part of the Roni family. Like he, all these people are always going to be part of Real Houses of New York. So Jill is very much still part of Real Houses of New York. I mean, the first – two, three seasons were primarily about her relationship with all of these women. So anyway, my point is that Dorinda, um, you're a mess. Where did I vote it? I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. We're talking about the comments that she was making and how she's like coming at Jill. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, Dorinda is, she is somebody who is obsessed with the one thing that she does. So, like, her obsession with being the hostess right now is the one thing that she's doing. Like, it's all, her, all her energy is there. And anybody who thinks that she's not doing a good enough job or anybody who doesn't give her the reaction that she's looking for, like, she's love bombing them and they're not giving her what she wants in return. She thinks that it's, like, a great offense. Like, even Vicky's saying, like, this place is stuffy. She's so offended because the Red Lion Inn was like her life for like six years or whatever. You know, it's because she's she's obsessed with it. She's like a full all or nothing kind of person. And that's why like she's so deeply offended when anybody questions or raises an eyebrow or like doesn't love the thing that she loves. She thinks it's preposterous. It's like a deep attack, a personal attack on her. So even like anybody saying like – um, 
sorry I didn't read the rules in your room or whatever in the plaque. Like, sorry I didn't see the plaque. She's so offended because in her mind she went through so much effort to put the plaque together. How much effort was that even, you know? Um, but Dorinda just – she's a woman who lives in absolutes and she's insane. <laughs> and she's – in the words of Bethany, Yara drunk. She's a drunk. She is. Um, and Brandy – Honey, you are not too far behind, okay? Brandy is Dorinda um, if Dorinda got a deal to be on a reality TV show in her 30s. That's what Brandy is. So Dorinda just became famous in her 40, late 40s, early 50s. Um, she didn't, you know, became famous on reality TV at least, you know. But um, you're right there, honey. You're You're both – they both see each other. Because I think that they both are the same flavor of Looney Tunes. And they're the, both the same flavor of, like, belligerent. <laughs> and that's why they have so much sympathy for each other when the other person acts out of line. Um, the other question was, how, the, how old is everyone? Oh, my God. Like, I realized actually also in that moment where Phaedra doesn't – doesn't realize that Dorinda cannot be old enough to be Brandy's mama, um, that that I don't know how old anybody is on these shows. Like, even Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, it occurred to me, like, this season, how much younger Crystal is than the rest of them, um, because obviously they make such a big deal about Crystal being younger, you know? Um, but I realized most of these shows, I don't know how old everyone is, and... The age thing is definitely a factor. Um, I mean, I know that there's women in their 20s that are lovely, that are great people, but I just don't vibe with them because I just don't think we have things in common to talk about a lot of times. Um, and there's a lot of women in their 50s who probably feel the same way about me or people in their 40s that would feel the same way about me. So um, I get the age difference takes a big um, – it makes it, – it it's – a it's a big catalyst for whether or not like these social situations are going to land well or not with, um, with this group of women. I mean, Vicky is old enough to be Eva's mother. She is, she's 60. And honestly, everybody's old enough to be Eva's mother, except for like Phaedra and Brandy. So, um, I think that that's, that's like a big factor here. Um, just a note about the red lion Inn. I know Dorinda's really proud of it, but um, I said this on Dumpster Dive and I'll say this here. I don't think that going to an establishment that existed in the 1700s is exciting for people of color. I don't like I'm I mean, I moved here in the 90s, but like and I'm you know, I'm not black. So I, it's not the same thing. But like if I went to like the UK uh, where there was a lot of um there were a lot of people from India that were brought over and used in different ways to work in different areas in like old London or whatever and mistreated and all of that. Certainly not the same as black people in America, obviously, but I would not want to be, I would not want to go there. I wouldn't like I, her wanting to bring like Phaedra and Eva to this place that's like existed in the 1700s. I was like, <laughs> I don't think, I mean, they didn't care, but like I would care. You know, it's like Ebony, the way she felt last year or two years ago or whenever she was on. How old was that last season of Roni? Like her not wanting to go to like these like old town Salem places. It's like, would there even be black people allowed in these spaces, you know? So anyway, I just don't think that it's that exciting. I mean, that's the way I feel about all these old towns in the Northeast, okay? Um, but still great show. Excellent show. So funny. Cracking up the whole time. Um, all right, let's go over to Rahasas of Beverly Hills because, ugh, God, okay, let me just preface this by saying I'm going to try not to talk too much about the shit that's going on with these women against Garcelle, but you know what? I probably will. There's been a million takes of this already. I've been tweeting about it. It's on my Instagram. It's on Twitter, whatever. But 
obviously I'm going to talk about it, but I think that there's a couple of other things that happen in the actual episode that I will try to shift my focus to. But obviously the glaring issue on this episode was Kyle Richards and how she treated Sutton um, and and all of them and how they're treating Garcelle and her family. All of them, except for maybe Crystal. But the rest of them are all disasters. Um, but anyway, this episode, we open back up on Garcelle's birthday party, and we go back to this conversation with Sutton, Kyle, and Diana, and this miscarriage conversation comes up, which is extremely triggering. Um, you know, the the physical pushing, the, the way Kyle is grabbing at her, she went, Kyle went full Big Kathy on Sutton, full Big Kathy. You know, the way she's grabbing at her and everything, trying to insert herself in the conversation, and then she leaves, and Somebody's like, I think Garcelle's like, is Sutton crying? And Kyle's like, Ugh, always. Shut the fuck up, Kyle. You cried about less on the show, okay? So shut the fuck up. Kyle, this whole time, I just want to point out, is drunk. She's very, very drunk. You can tell by the way that she's talking to Sutton. But I do think it's important to know, um, especially later on when the whole thing happens with Jax, that Kyle is likely not going to admit being drunk and not remembering. She'll instead say, I wasn't there or nobody told me, which is what she's doing right now on Instagram about all of it. But I don't think that she's ever going to say I was drunk and I don't remember because if you'll remember the beginning of the season when Crystal was bringing up the dark comment, Crystal said, well, Kyle, you wouldn't remember what was said because you were drunk, right? And she was so offended by that. She was like, stop saying I was drunk. I don't, you know, I remember, I remember everything. Well, do you remember how you're behaving right now with Sutton? Do you remember how you're dealing with Sutton right now? Because like even Sutton at the end when she and Diana have like a little like, of course, frustratingly fake makeup, Kyle rolls her eyes and snorts and says, I can't with you guys. What the hell do you want them to do? Do you want them to butthead each other? Okay. <laughs> Is that what you want? A butthead between the two of them? Like, what are you trying to even get at, Kyle? Like, I'm not sure what the hell she wants out of these people. It's like Sutton is doing the thing that you expect her to do, which is cry. Diana is being absolutely vicious to her. And then you're mad that they hugged each other at the end? I don't understand. I don't understand. Then we have Erica essentially dehumanizing Crystal's, uh, Crystal's Jesus, Car Garcelle's sons, okay? The way she's dealing with Oliver asking about her baby his baby mama that's his fucking wife dude shut the fuck up okay i haven't seen behavior this disgusting since aviva's father on rehearsals of new york okay it wasn't funny then it's not funny now it's disgusting it's so gross it's so disrespectful to garcelle like that you would throw yourself at her son this way who is a married man it's it's insane and then the way that she deals with Jax telling him to get the fuck out of here I'm glad that Garcelle went back and just like politely told her to stop but then Erica whispers to Doree she was pushing it which I'm like what who was pushing it Garcelle was pushing it are you pushing it by opening your legs to a married man and cussing out a 14-year-old. Later on in like a flashback, she's like, oh, I was treating them like they were adults. I'm not sure I understand why you would even tell an adult man, even if he was 18, even if Garcelle's son was 18, why would you tell any of your co-workers' children to get the fuck out of here? I don't understand. There's like no logic here. It was just a really upsetting and frustrating conversation, the way she's like fetishizing Oliver, the way she talks down to Jax, the way she calls Oliver's wife his baby mama. I mean, these are microaggressions, you guys. Later on in the episode, she's like, oh, I'm scared I've offended this Haitian mother. Okay. I don't understand. Like, it's like, it's frustrating because it's like, okay, so you obviously recognize these like you recognize the fact that Liz Garcelle is a, a, a Haitian woman, right? And so you feel some type of way about how this Haitian woman is going to react to her sons being a – to you being disrespectful to her sons. But, like, let's, let's focus on that, right? Like, if you recognize the way – you recognize that these are particular 
it's a particular type of family and they belong to a particular race and they belong to a, a particular culture. So let's also recognize the fact that you behaving a particular way to them as a white woman is going to factor into this, right? Like I hope that you guys can follow that logic here. That if you are aware enough to recognize that there is a particular way that somebody might react because of the culture they come from, then you being a white woman in this world, because of the culture that you belong in, because of the society that you live in, because you live in a country that protects white people and also a country that mistreats people of color um, or a country that has white people mistreat, mistreat people of color, that you would also understand the implication of what happens when a woman like you does something like this to people of color, specifically black people and specifically black boys, right? Like let's, let's not just drop it off on one end and say, oh, I'm scared of a Haitian mom. You recognize that she's a Haitian mom. You recognize that she's a black woman, but you've are, the only thing you recognize is that there might be some stereotypes that you've made up in your mind about how this woman is going to react, but that's where you want to drop it. You don't want to take any part or accountability about your own the, the optics of somebody who looks like you and how you are reacting to these men or boys. <sighs> anyway, Dorit and Crystal go for self-defense and they talk about trauma. All right, great. I'm glad Dorit got some screen time. Um, Kyle and Sutton go to dinner and Kyle, I guess, kind of apologizes for this this whole thing with the miscarriage and Sutton tries to explain to her that like you walked in at the wrong time. And I will say again, I said this last week and I'll say it again. Sutton, you had no business going in and talking to Diana. You don't like her. You were obviously told by production to do something and it didn't work out in your favor. She laughed in your face. You tried to empathize and she continued to laugh in your face. It triggered you for good reason. And Kyle was grabbing at you at the same time. It didn't work out the way you wanted it to, but you should have walked away a long time ago. And if you weren't able to walk away, you should have told Kyle, Kyle, you were pushing me down and you were grabbing at me and you wouldn't let me walk away. Right. But Kyle kind of apologizes for this miscarriage thing. And she says, I don't want you to think that I think you made up the miscarriage. Why don't you want her to think that, Kyle? When you said it, you said the thing that you said. You said you don't believe it. You said that you think it's bullshit. You you said that, oh, well, it happened a long time ago, so I guess it doesn't matter. You said those things. Also, at the end of the conversation, she says, um, are you sure you're not mad? You're, you're, not, you're, you're not thinking – like she says something like – you're not going to think I'm punching you like to Sutton at the end of the conversation when they like hug or whatever. And she says it again because it's like, of course she's going to think that you're punching her because you you grabbed at her. <laughs> you were pushing her and assaulting her, in my opinion. You had your hands all over this woman. You were shaking her by the shoulder, this frail little lady, <laughs> teeny tiny Sutton. Of course she's going to think you're punching her because you're crazy. You are manhandling her. Like Kyle says these things, right? Like it was the same thing later on when she's sitting with Kyle, with uh, Mauricio and PK and they're making jokes about Garcelle and Erica and the son and, oh, it's a big deal. What's the big deal? It's not funny, but it is funny. All that shit. And then like later when Kyle went on social media and was like, I just think that you guys should know me better by now. I didn't mean that. I don't want you to think that that's what I meant. It's like, if you tell me that you think that the sky is red, and then I tell you, you think the sky is red, you can't respond to me by saying, of course I think the sky is blue. How would you think, why would you think that I think that the sky is red? Well, bitch, because you just told me. Like, Kyle, you said you didn't believe Sutton's miscarriage. You were dismissive of Sutton's miscarriage. You did push Sutton. So, of course, she is going to think that you might punch her. Of course, she is going to think that you don't believe her because you said as much. And it's so stupid because people fall for Kyle's bullshit. And I really don't understand it. I really don't. Sutton, I just want to, one note in my notes here is Sutton hugs an ice bucket. She's so wacky. <laughs> A little weirdo. She's such a weirdo. But she's wacky. Okay. She's a wacky little weirdo. 
Um, Rina visits Diana, and I just want to point out that Little Miss Glam Squad flies in ahead of time is wearing the same shirt she wore on the first night at dinner in Mexico. And it's not a big deal because I repeat my clothes all the time, but I certainly don't have a Glam Squad and have millions and thousands of houses and I'm so rich and blah, blah, blah. I want to point out that Rina every season just like like she crawls up the butt of like the richest person there, right? Like like when Sutton came on, all she could say was like, oh, Sutton's rich, honey. She's rich. She's like doing the same thing to Diana. Like, oh, she's so rich. Like, Rena, go deal with the rats at your house, okay? Knock it off. Um, Diana's retelling of the conversation with Sutton is just like wildly delusional. It's like full revisionist history. It's absurd. I just, I'm so tired. She's so boring. She's not interesting. She's corny. I don't care for her. Anyway, then we have this scene that I mentioned earlier with Kyle and Dorit and their husbands. And they're basically trying to redo the meal from last season, right? Like now this is like, guys, people loved it. And it was so funny when like we sat around and made jokes about Erica. Let's do it again. And they're really trying. But this is again, like, how you know how out of touch these people are because they don't understand the way human brains work. Like they don't understand how normal people receive the shit that they do on camera. They don't get it. They really don't understand it. And they really think that like we're going to like love it or think it's so funny and refreshing when they sit around and laugh about the fact that Garcelle's 14-year-old son was cussed out by Erica. They're going to laugh about Erica being drunk and loosey-goosey. And I just want to say, Dorit's a duplicitous little bitch, okay? She, when it happened, when Erica cusses out Jax, she's giggling along. She's like, oh, stop it. He's just getting waters for oh, flowers for his mama. And then later on, in like that same scene in the confessional shows, she's like, it made me sick to my stomach. But then at this dinner with her husband and Mauricio, she's like, you know, it was funny. It was obviously I think it's funny because it wasn't my child. Okay. So you do it didn't make you sick to your stomach. It wasn't that big of a deal to you. You are obviously only reacting this way now because that confessional was filmed after Garcelle uh reamed out Erica at Sutton's house, which we'll get to later. I just I can't. I cannot. And Erica is now what acceptable for letting loose and getting drunk. She was so Kyle says she was so uptight. She was so closed off, and now she's being open and honest. Okay, so she's being an open and honest drunk, and that's acceptable. And she's like, she's never, she doesn't, you know, she's never let loose. She's never let loose. She barked at Sutton with her doo doo nail last season. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, she's closed off. But she's closed off because the real Erica is a belligerent drunk from Georgia. That's what she is, who fetishizes black men. That's who she is. Anyway, we go to Sutton's housewarming-ish party. Um, but I just – I love the fact that Garcelle was like, I'm not attending this party without grabbing my right-hand man. She and Cherie gab beforehand, and they just get ready to – you know, arm up, suit up to set a bitch straight. I love Cherie. There's a clip floating around of um, her um, from her show, uh, Hollywood Ex-Wives from VH1. And Cherie will put a bitch in her place. I think it was like Jose Canseco's either ex-wife or current wife. I can't remember. It was this white woman named Jessica. And Jessica Canseco. And she uh, – said some racist shit she said that she said that black and white girls don't mix and Cherie calls her out for her racist shit and I'm just really 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 hoping that she gets her diamond next season because I would I like I would want the show to turn over to that like where we fucked up in Real Housewives of New York was that we didn't get Ebony a friend and I also have my own thoughts about Ebony but I think that like we didn't give Ebony a friend. We didn't give Tiffany a friend in Dallas. And instead it was just like all these like racist white women barking at the one person of color or the one black person in the room. And I am excited for Cherie to come on because I do think that we need a shift in – we need a shift in these in these groups, not just because we need more diversity, but I, I need people to understand that we're not saying these shows need to be like all, you know, people that look the same or it needs to be super duper diverse and woke and all that. 
it's like this they can still continue to be petty and fight over things like the type of glass that you serve champagne in or being late to a lunch or spreading stuff to a gossip blog. I don't mind those fights. I just want those fights to not have be filled with microaggressions, right? And when you have more people of color there or you have a person of color there at least explaining to another person, a white person like, "Hey, this is what our perspective is and I wish that you would understand and try to like change the way you function in the world. I'm fine with seeing that growth in that white person, right? I'm, I'm fine with, with like even between Sutton and Crystal, I don't understand their friendship, but I, I like that they have one because it's like they went through some shit, Sutton said some racist stuff and Crystal said, we got over it. We moved on. It's fine, right? I'm fine with seeing the evolution of a person who decides to just do better in their life. And move on. The problem with their Housewives of Beverly Hills is that none of them have any humility and none, none of them think that they're wrong. And by none of them, obviously, I'm talking about the Fox Force 5. And they're f- super frustrating to watch. So I'm excited about Cherie coming in because as much as I think Garcelle can try or Crystal can try, it's important for another person to be there to back them up because the rest of them are too, like, scared or closed off to, like, actually have real conversations but anyway they all head to this party and garcelle is super icy to erica which i'm glad um rena makes so they all go sit outside right and rena's like this beautiful table sitting in mucky mud is basically sudden ma'am you have rats in your house okay you have rats in your house with your disgusting terracotta tiles okay you're gross Sutton gives everyone fur coats to wear outside. The most you've done for us is given us a bowl of pasta and homemade sauce. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about low budget. Pasta? It's like the cheapest thing you can make. <laughs> That's the most you've done, Rena. You sat everybody outside in your yard because your house is disgusting. You served some sauce from your nasty ass kitchen and some boiled pasta. Get out of here. Uh, um, Diana doesn't come. And then this is when Rena becomes some sort of a mouthpiece for her and clearly shows that she doesn't understand what passive aggressive means. She doesn't understand what passive aggressive means. She says, like, first of all, do I think Sutton is passive aggressive? Of course. Of course she is. They all are. Honestly, most of us adult women are passive aggressive because you can't always be aggressive aggressive in most social situations. I'm deeply passive aggressive in most like proper like work. I'm so passive aggressive at work, right? Because you can't, you got to be. Because as a woman, if you're any other kind of aggressive, you're just aggressive aggressive, especially a woman of color. You're just aggressive aggressive, right? Like white women, they live for passive aggressive because they are allowed to be passive aggressive because they can be polite and professional and still do like side-eye shady shit at work, which is super passive-aggressive. So yeah, Sutton is passive-aggressive, but calling Diana a motherfucker and calling her soulless isn't passive-aggressive, Rena. It's just aggressive, and Diana deserved it. (sighs) Okay, let's go over to, um, speaking of whack white women, let's go over to Dubai. Um, So this is where Phaedra parks. I mean, we're talking about Thursday. She shows up in Dubai. She goes to lunch with Caroline Brooks and her cousin. It was cute. It was cute. It was nice little um, intro to probably Phaedra is going to end up on the show, right? Like I think Phaedra might end up on Rehusas of Dubai. Um, it was interesting for her to talk to them about like how are black people treated in Dubai and Caroline Brooks is, and her cousin are like, we're, we're royalty here. We're beloved. And, it's it's interesting because it's like I do want to preface obviously all of this that we see on the show with like these are very privileged people. These are people with money and they're treated really well. Um, but there's other deeply other deeply problematic things that happen in the UAE that obviously we know about. Um, but it's interesting to see that black people are treated really well in the UAE, at least in the circle that these guys function in. Um, They also talk about the Muslim marriage rules. Uh, Caroline Brooks does a pretty good job of explaining it. And I do want to confirm that, yes, that's true. 
In Islam, a man can have multiple wives, but he must provide exactly the same for all of them. And that is why really, really rich Arabs can do that because they do have that kind of money. Um, anybody else who tries to do that uh, becomes a deadbeat because they can't afford it. Um, then we see Lisa Milan versus Stanberry, basically. Lisa Milan is talking to her husband, Rich about Stanbury's bizarro behavior at Nina's friend's birthday party. And this is where Rich calls Stanbury a 50-year-old influencer. Hilarious. Um, now, this has now struck up a fight on Twitter between the two of them, between Lisa Milan and Stanbury. And of course, Sergio is getting into the mix. Oh, I'll talk about Sergio in a minute. Sergio is getting into the mix. He's trying to pick fights. Stanbury has a whole lot of energy for all of this, she's very upset that she was called a 50-year-old influencer. She's now dragging Lisa Milan and her company. She's dragging Rich. She says he's not the number one financier or financier, however you pronounce that, in Dubai. Whatever. Whatever, Stanberry. Who cares? Lisa Milan is doing great. She knows how to be a reality TV star. And you got by on Ladies of London because the show was about ice-cold British people. Real Housewives of Dubai is not about ice-cold British people, okay? It's not ladies of London. And you look like an idiot being icy and cold and unrelatable to all these people. It's not cute. And then we see Stanberry um, have Chanel Ayan over. Chanel Ayan does not bring a housewarming gift or a gift of any type because fuck that bitch. Um and actually, I will say, like, it's a nice, nice little dinner. I mean, Chanel even says later on to Lisa, you know, I think that it's it was actually went really well. She seemed normal and chill and she was nice with her kids. It was nice to see her at home. But, you know, there's just a lot of revisionist history about her feud with Lisa. Like, I don't I do I still don't understand why she's mad at Lisa We'll talk about it more when we get to Chanel's birthday at the end of this episode. But what I did think was hilarious is that <laughs> Chanel Ann doesn't know how old she is. And you know what? I think that you should just say you're as old as your heart feels because that is what happens when you are from a village. Like I know so many people who don't know their birthdays. Like my my mother-in-law, quote unquote, turned 60 this year, but I'm pretty sure she turned like 64. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, that happens a lot. <laughs> it happens a lot. We love to decrease our age, but Chanel Ayan is just as old as she feels. And as far as I'm concerned, she could be 17 or 35 or whatever, but she's got, uh, she's got a fun, spunky energy to her and I love her. Um, Sarah and Nina go to Sarah's family's house in Sharjah, which is a little city outside of Dubai and, or in the outskirts or parts of Dubai. And, I liked seeing this Arab house because it was like such a typical Arab house. Like if you have Arab friends and you go to their parents, your their their house, it's just like very much decorated like that. There's just like a lot of big furniture. It's like, you know how like the Jersey, Unreal Houses of New Jersey, like Teresa's gaudy furniture or like even the Manzos had like gaudy furniture, just like very brown. It's it's very typical um, in Arab houses to have furniture like that. And it's just like – it's just how it's decorated and you just like, I don't know, you just love it. <laughs> um, now we see that Sarah is extremely rich, okay? that She's extremely rich and I have to say we learn absolutely nothing new about her at her parents' house. Like it's the same stories about she was an entrepreneur and she sold her candy and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. And she tells us that she had the courage to pick and choose what part of the culture she wanted to incorporate into her life as an Emirati woman. And I just want to clarify that she didn't have the courage. She had the privilege. Like you're a wealthy person with multiple homes in Dubai and your title is her, her highness or something or her excellency. So you are able to pick and choose. You don't have the courage. You just have the privilege and the money to be able to do what you want to do. That's all it is. It's not like other women in the Middle East are given that same opportunity. It depends on the kind of family they come from. It obviously makes a big difference the fact that Sarah's dad is very liberal, right? Because she's protected under that, because she's protected under under the patriarchy still. 
it's not like you have the courage. You just have money. That's it. Um, Lisa and Chanel Ayan go to lunch, and I just love their friendship. I do. I want to watch them on TV all the time. I want them to go visit um, Candace and Giselle, who are going to Thailand for Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. Question marks on that casting, by the way. But I want them to go and visit those girls because I just want to see – I want to see Lisa Milan and Candace hang out. I do. I think that it would be so fun. I think that they're both absolute fire. Lisa Milan is – the breakout star right now on this show. Her and Chanel Ayan are really the queens of the show, which is probably what is driving Caroline Stanberry up the wall. Um, I just love, I love their friendship. I love Chanel Ayan's wacky English. I just, I love it. I love all of it. Um, then they go to this place called Ski Dubai, which is an event that Brooks is trying to put together. She's just trying to stir shit up with Phaedra in her presence. Like it's very confusing using what the setup was because even Stanberry says like I just came to meet Phaedra I didn't really come to hang out with these women which I'm like okay what like then do a lunch with her like I don't know it just it felt a little bit like um tryouts like like a like production is trying to see how this group meshes together it just it felt like a I don't know it felt like a pilot of a TV show that like they were just throwing together. You know, it just felt weird to me. Um, but also what's weird is like, why is Sergio in every scene with Caroline? Caroline does not go anywhere without Sergio. He is literally in every single scene. I think the only place that he's not present at is when they go to the Atlantis. And that's because it's just like them with their kids, like Nina and Caroline with their kids. But even that, like, like it was a small scene and then we, but we never see Sergio. We never see Caroline without Sergio. And I find that to be very odd. Um, Stanberry and Lisa have a little bit of tension there and they fight about ski clothes, but then like Caroline won't even ski at Ski Dubai. Like, why did you come in your ski clothes? You're not even going to ski. And then you don't want to wear the other ski uniform. You just wanted to come and hang out with Phaedra. I just, I don't understand what Caroline Stanberry thinks is happening on this show. I, I, I'm still confused about what she was told the show was going to be because she's flopping. She's flipping and flopping and it's real, it's real sad. Um, then we go to Chanel Ayan's birthday party and <sighs> Stanberry's clothes. What was that? What are those? What is that outfit she had on? It was so weird. She had like space buns in her hair it was just a mess and then like when they get there and everybody's gathering whatever chanel gets these like beautiful flowers from one of her friends and you hear sergio in the back go someone did better flowers than us it's like very obvious that sergio like just wants to be like the cream of the crop he wants to be the best person in the room he he like like i like as icy and cold as Stanberry is and how little she wants to mix with all these people, Sergio wants a hundred times more to be liked and, and be a part of this group. Like he really is putting his whole, his whole pussy, <laughs> his whole little like body. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. He's trying to put his whole ass into this show, okay? And it's very confusing. Like, I've never, I've not seen a man this Cersei for camera time since, like, Joe Gorga, maybe? Or even, like, Simon? Like, it's, yeah, like, that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of, like, Simon and Alex, except, like, it's Sergio. I'm like, what are you doing here? Leave. Why are you here? Why are you so thirsty? Um, Stanberry talks about her wedding planning, and she's just a weirdo. Like, I get that you were raised a certain way and the British way is like icy and cold or whatever. And it's one thing to be like recognized, right? That like, yes, I am this way because I went to boarding school when I was six years old and I didn't come home until I was 18, blah, blah, blah. But girl, you're in your 40s now. Like we can't be excusing our coldness by like using childhood like trauma stories into our 40s. Like it's – look, I'm big on talking about your trauma – validating your trauma it was real trauma but when we are in our 30s and 40s the next step is 
you try to evolve and change and not be cold and not be weird and shut off. Like, all of it is weird. Her fighting with Sergio about like, I want to sit with my friends. I don't want to sit with your parents. I don't care about your parents. I see my parents once a year. I don't know why we have to care about your parents. What is this? Like, it's just so strange. Even the way she talks about like having a kid and just giving it away because it's just what Sergio wants. She doesn't really care. What is this marriage? I don't understand what this marriage is because he seems to be somebody who is completely the opposite of her. I don't know if they have much in common. Is he just like a glorified babysitter for her kids that she fucks? Like, I'm not sure what's happening. But I do agree with Chanel Ayan that we give it dos años, okay? Two years, and I think that this is done. Is años how you say years? Anos? Two years. Okay, I apologize. Okay, dos al. There you go. I said it in Urdu, my own language. Um, Because that's – it's weird. It's weird. The whole vibe is weird. And then even Caroline, like, at this dinner table, she's mad at Lisa what are you mad at Lisa about? I don't understand. Caroline snubbed Lisa because she didn't show up at her fashion show. Okay. You didn't show up because you were mad about uh, Chanel Ayan's involvement in Lisa's fashion show. You didn't want to support Lisa and you didn't, you don't care for Chanel Ayan. Okay. So that's why you didn't show up at Lisa's fashion show. And then you were asked about it the next time Lisa saw you. And your response to that was that she should suck your husband's dick. Like, I don't understand what you're mad about. What are you mad at Lisa about? What did Lisa do to you? All she did was ask, hey, why did you not come to my fashion show? If it's because you're mad at Ana- um, I'm mad at Ayan, I just want you to know I'm my own person. You don't have to group us both together. So now it's like Stanberry was like, Okay, I'm not going to group you two together, but I'm just going to shift my anger that I had at Chanel on and put it over to Lisa because I have to be mad at somebody. Only person you should be mad at is yourself, Caroline, because you are it's it's crazy because again, I was I really was excited to see Caroline Stanberry on the show. But she's a loser, guys. She's a loser. Like she's not exciting. There's nothing exciting about her. Like you know, if we're going to talk about thirsty, like there are people who are obviously so thirsty for camera and it's hard to watch them. But Caroline is the opposite. It's like, why are you even here? If you don't want to be on the show, then don't be on the show. If you don't want to be here, then leave. We don't actually even need you. You're not serving any purpose. You're just hanging around in your lounge clothes at home with your bad extensions constantly showing, your home goods mug collection, and your little baby boy husband who just keeps saying, I want a baby. I want a baby. Okay. Like, it's not exciting. It's not fun. It's not interesting. You're not interesting. You're just there. And it's, you can't get by on just being rich. Like, Diana is a perfect example. Like, you can't get by on, you have to actually be an interesting person. And Caroline Stanberry is not interesting in this setting because she's not in, la- in the Ladies of London. And in Ladies of London, the interesting thing there was that we saw her business, we saw her family, we saw how she uh, functions with uh, Sophie, her sister-in-law, how she deals in that social circle. This is not her social circle, and she doesn't have any interest in being in the social circle. Then why are you on the show? Leave. We're done. Please leave. Um, anyway, that's it for this episode. I will be back next week to talk about uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta, which is back, and Married to Medicine. Um, I don't think that there's going to be a Saturday episode, a new Saturday episode next week um, because I'll be traveling. So instead, I will be releasing um, um, a gem from our Patreon vault. It's the time that Tom Hamlet came on to talk to me and my brother about a old, um, a classic Real Housewives of Atlanta episode. It was the one where Marlo and Cherie, Cherie just babble at each other in South Africa. Um Anyway, uh, I hope you guys have a good rest of your week and I will talk to you next time. Bye. The 
reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Kelly Payfer. I may be from Down Under, but don't ever underestimate me. Richie D. If you can't be cool, you can't be with Caduce. Megan Shaw. I may be a model, but I'll never be your model minority. Becca Simon. It gets icy where I'm from, so you know I'll bring you heat. Jill Hirsch. Your petty drama can't take this warrior down. Jamie Allrunner. Where I come from, we're known for our great lakes, but I'm just known for my great ass. Sarah Gibbs. You may not like the cut of my jib, but that's what you get from Sarah Gibbs. Maria M. Where I'm from, they sing God Save the Queen, so I guess you can call me a god. Jill Walsh. I made it up this hill myself, and I'll kick any jack off. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and you're not even on my payroll. John Friedman. Diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is. Sarah Watkins Bilstein. Playtime is over. This mama means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast pumping or fist pumping, this Jersey girl brings the party. Amanda Agosti. Everything is bigger in Texas and my heart is no exception. Tracy Masters. When you're the master of your own destiny, no one can ever take you down. Marl Farsi. Reading is fundamental and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Newman. My presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lola Del Rio. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets and I get it all. Adade Adidoko. It may look like I'm stirring the pot, but I'm actually just smoking. Deepa Kanapoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Jada. People are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. Naveen Jonathan. I'll give you the shirt off my back and also my unsolicited opinion. Adil Ibrahim. Some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Trinity Supermanium. I have four degrees and eight syllables and zero fucks to give. Beth Bayer. The secret to my success is staying out of your BS. Shannon Anthony. There's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shame. Rita Ryan. Don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. Brianna Tony. Some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. And lastly, Tanisha. While others are turning tables, I'm dancing on them. 